Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. Today we're talking about how to stop seeking the approval of other people. Something that on the one hand is normal because we're social creatures, but on the other hand can cause us the deepest suffering when we don't receive it. And it can be especially worse when the approval or praise we seek is from our loved ones. Our guest is Dave Drake, who practices Buddhism in New York City and shares his journey with this very struggle, both in his personal life and as a musician. The episode is filled with practical insights about how to apply the Nichiren Buddhist practice of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo to shift that state of life to one of humility, appreciation, forward momentum, and true confidence. Here's Dave. So my name is Dave Drake. I'm calling from New York City. I'm 26 years old and I'm a musician here in the city, originally from the UK, but lived here for several years. Amazing. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk today. Um, I always like to start with just a little bit of context on you as a person and how you decided to practice Buddhism. So we kind of know who we're talking to. Um, so if you don't mind just sharing the brief story, like how did you encounter SJI Nichiren Buddhism and what intrigued you that you decided to start chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo or at least try it? Mm, yes. Thank you for that question. Um, so yeah, I was at university here in America, um, and for me, I was studying music at the time. Um, I was a sophomore at university, actually, when I was at a party, and um, I'm sure we've all had this experience, but for me, I, I remember meeting someone, I just felt like this person had a really, really lovely energy about them. Um, I remember as soon as he walked in, it kind of felt like it kind of lifted the room, and there was just such a nice vibe. So anyway... Mm -hmm. I met this person that became a friend and I was like, oh, wow, this is a lovely individual. Didn't know him that well, to be honest. We just met in passing. And then uh, it happened to be that I connected with him again on the street, actually, in Union Square uh, in New York City. And I was like, oh, man, how's it going? How are you? What are you up to? He says, oh, I'm going to go chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo right now. And I was like, oh, really? Wow. What is that? And then he was like, oh, you can come check it out if you fancy Dave. Have a look. I was like, oh, okay. And so I did, and I went to chant with him for the first time. Um, that was my first, I didn't, really didn't know anything about the practice before that. But um, I really actually loved it. I loved the actual practice of chanting Namya Horengi Kyo from the get-go. I really, uh, yeah, I just loved the vibration of it. I loved that it was something that's generating this positive energy and uh so yeah, that was my first encounter with it. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's an awesome story. <laughs> so um, so I'm curious then, you know, in terms of continuing, because many people are peaked, their interest might be peaked and chanting is cool and I want to try it, but you've now continued for, for some years. Um, so it, as much as you're comfortable sharing, like kind of what was going on at the time for you that you wanted to continue and did you see any sort of changes when you started? Yeah, for me, lots of things. I was definitely, I've always been a curious person, I feel. Um, I tried lots of different kinds of practices. I did quite a bit of like meditation stuff, did a bit of yoga and uh, yeah, other bits and pieces. So for me, I 
first came in touch with the practice and it just felt very natural for me. I felt like it was something where I could really, from the get-go, feel the positive impact from chanting nam myoho renge kyo And I think part of what inspired me to really keep going was several things, but one of them was the practice itself because I'd tried lots of different things where there was a feeling of, uh, you know, with all due respect to what's out there, just a feeling of just having to kind of quietly, you know, just take whatever's happening, um, which is okay to some degrees. But when I was chanting, I felt like I was able to actually move the situation I was in. I felt like as I was chanting, I was actually really bringing forth something from within myself and really generating something which helped me move forward. So, yes, that applied to lots of things. But I think the initial things as well was that um, when I chanted Nam Horenge Kyo, I just felt a lot brighter on the inside. That was the main thing. I started to chant and then, uh, yes, I just had a lot more kind of radiance in what I was doing, I feel, without sounding too odd. But I feel like, for example, with music, when I started to chant, you know, I mean, for all musicians, and I know a lot of different artists who practice talk about this too, I feel like, um, you know, we all strive for those moments where we're in the zone, you know what I mean, where we're really just coming from our best best place and... Mm -hmm. uh, as I started to chant, I felt like very naturally I was much more in that place a lot more of the time. You know, I started writing way, way more music. I started to really be performing far more. And I just, um, yeah, it felt like it was putting me in touch with that best part of myself. You know, it was, uh, yeah, really helping me bring that forward. So that was at the beginning what really got me started. And that's why I kept going. Also, something worth mentioning is that Definitely the, uh, yeah, the SGI community, you know, the Buddhist community, such a warm place, you know, where else is there? I just felt, yeah, I felt it was such a warm community and I felt every time I was around people that were practicing, it constantly reminded me about the best in me. You know what I mean? I feel mm -hmm. like it, um, yes, would bring me back in touch with what I really find to be important, what's really meaningful for me. Um, and it would just, yeah, remind me that, you know, I can absolutely fight for my dreams and that I don't have to second guess them and I don't have to start chopping them down to fit into whatever kind of limitations I might have preconceived. So just being around people like that was also really wonderful, you know. So I, uh, I loved the practice and the people that I met that were chanting were some of the most wonderful people I'd ever met. So, yeah, that inspired me to really continue. Amazing. Thank you for sharing um, all of that. And that's actually such a great way to to explain the the feeling of chanting and the feeling of being in the community. Because yes, on the one hand, it's about goals and like the things that we want to challenge. But on a much deeper level, it's like you you can access this like, well, on the show, what we call Buddhability or Buddhahood, like this part of yourself that just can do all the things and feels good and is strong and connected. Um, so I, I, so the topic I kind of want to move into now, and this is the the topic for today's episode. So I appreciate you being willing to talk about this. Uh, is um, just this kind of universal struggle of seeking approval. So this takes place in so many different ways. You know, sometimes it's just walking into a room and feeling like you don't belong and wanting to 
have the approval of other people around you. And then, you know, it can range from, you know, our chosen career path or how we feel in our family or our identity. And um, I, I know we spoke a little bit about this before, but just to sort of give the context a little, um, I understand that this is something that you have struggled with uh, in the past. Maybe you continue to because you're human like all of us. <laughs> but uh, as, a, as a musician, as a person, um, yeah, maybe first like give me the, the context or the backstory about, um, you know, where what this struggle was like for you. And then I want to go into kind of how you decided to tackle it using Buddhism. All right. Yes. What a thoughtful, wonderful question, Jihi. Thank you. Um, yes. So definitely for me, it's been a big part of my life. Um, you know, what we could call karma or something that appears very often throughout my life. Um, yes. So yeah, I grew up with music in my life and uh, for sure, something that played a big part in my life was constantly seeing the need that I would somehow be validated by other people. You know, um, it definitely played out a lot in how I connected and related with my father, um, which led to many, many challenges for myself and a lot of kind of internal pains and suffering. Um, but yeah, I think the key aspect for me was just this feeling that everything about who I am is dependent upon the way that I'm seen by somebody else. In other words, mm. if that person gives a thumbs up if that person has you know words of praise then my life is meaningful and valuable if it's anything other than that then it's equally reflected in my life um mm -hmm. yes and i think that's something that definitely was very deep for me you know because then it can lead to all kinds of different things where okay i start sort of preemptively guessing okay well what's going to be the best thing that i can do in order to get this person's approval, what's going to be the best kind of actions I can take to somehow, you know, essentially, yeah, get that kind of uh, external thing and um, not really just coming from really treasuring my own life and being myself, but instead constantly kind of feeling like I have to morph who I am. You know what I mean? That I'm, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I can't just be the way I am. I have to somehow you know, recreate or, you know, I mean, I think it's, um, and I'm, I'm sure for, you know, anybody that's listening, that's in the arts, you know, I definitely had many experiences of many auditions, many, you know, competitions, performances, all these different kinds of things, which are absolutely wonderful and great training for life in so many ways. And at the same time, it can lead to a feeling of, you know, oh, okay, wow. It's natural that I get a positive jolt if there's a lot of praise coming in. However, if that, mm -hmm become something that I'm kind of entirely dependent on for my state of being, then it's, yeah, it's really it's challenging, you know, because then it's about uh, something that's outside of me. You know what I mean? It then becomes something that's uh, the ball's then in someone else's court, so to speak. <laughs> you know, at that moment, then it's like, oh, well, hang on. I may have certain, you know, dreams and all this kind of thing. But if I'm constantly basing myself on that kind of a thing, yeah, I'm always just putting the way I feel outside of myself. So it definitely played in the relationship with my dad, for sure. Uh, I had tons and tons of resentment, honestly, based on so much within myself. But yeah, just feelings of wanting more acknowledgement, kind of all these different kinds of things. But yeah, it wasn't just with him, though. I realized, you know, 
thanks to this practice now, how much it was something that was permeating everything in my life, you know? So, mm. yeah, I hope that helps. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what you described is so relatable um, in in many ways. Like, you know, whichever way it shows up or whatever part of your life it shows up in, that just like uh, once you once you taste praise, it's it's hard to not seek it all the time, honestly speaking, putting it bluntly. <laughs> and when you don't receive praise or, you know, for instance, receive criticism instead, it can destroy you and just being up and down and up and down based on that. I mean, it's an artist's struggle for sure, but I think many people, even if you're not an artist, <laughs> it can feel that way. Um, so I, I'm curious, uh, just to sort of connect this back to you starting your practice, how did you, uh, like, was this something you were actively thinking about or aware in yourself? Okay, this is like a sort of a pattern, or as you said, karma that like is causing me a lot of suffering and I need to start chanting about it. Or how did you like, where did you even start? And how did you even kind of realize this about yourself um, such that you started to be able to shift it? Yeah, for me, it was several things. I think one thing is that... Um Again, the tremendous, tremendous uh, community of people practicing. Um, man, I feel like, you know, there's nothing more precious in the entire universe than having even just one really good friend. You know what I mean? Mm. I really, really believe that with all my heart. Because, um, yeah, reality is, especially when it comes to challenges, it is way easier to not look at it. <laughs> Just to be like, Woo, okay, I'm going to do something else. I'm not going to focus on this. I'm just <laughs> going to keep doing this thing. Um, and, you know, of course, that's kind of the path of least resistance. But um, whether I realized it or not, I knew that for sure it was something that was creating pain in my life. You know what I mean? And uh, I think for me, the first thing that really helped really shift it was that I had really good friends around that I could just speak with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, we chat so much together in the SGI. We have so much dialogue. And even just having that kind of a forum where people are all together and everyone's sharing what they're chanting about, what they're fighting for, people sharing experiences of really winning. Um, that in itself helped shed a lot of light on my own kind of circumstances so to speak so i say that was one thing i'd say also for me something that really was at the heart of it in a lot of ways is i think it's man it's amazing with chanting amya haringa kyo i've seen so many things shift you know i'm really confident now that there's nothing that can't be transformed through really chanting amya haringa kyo um but i think that conviction for me the big thing in my life was really encountering a mentor you know i think for me it was um mm. daisaku ikeda was a man who i got to learn about when i first started practicing and i think also again perhaps for musicians this is something that is you know relatable but i know how in music the importance of having a great teacher is so key you know and it's something that brings out something greater in me mm. i've had lots of great teachers within the real the realm of music I've had lots of great teachers in kind of other realms as well. Um, but I really very much resonated with what Daisaku Ikeda shares. And for me, it just felt like I was encountering a great teacher in life. And somebody who wasn't just, because there's goodness knows how much out there in terms of, you know, things that are written and things that are there to, you know, help people, inspire people, so on and so forth. 
But Daisaku Ikeda, for me, I saw a man who was actually really leading it from the front in terms of being a man who's actually exemplifying what he's talking about, is fighting actively to create, to create a world of happiness and peace. So I think for me, in terms of what helped me tackle it and what, like, where do I start? Where do I go? I really got into reading Daisaku Ikeda's writings. You know, that for me was, uh, yeah, just lit my life up so much, you know, because um, even with chanting Namyoho Renge Kyo, my experience is that if I'm chanting based on also having really studied and wanting to learn and grasp what the heart of the practice really is, uh, the mm. kind of conviction that I chant with, you know, the kind of confidence that I'm like, I'm going to tackle this comes very differently. You know, I think um, Daisaku Ikeda had so many things that he shared that really, really inspired my life at a very deep level, you know, specifically again for just, and I mean, I'm sure everyone would get so much from reading it, but specifically it was the human revolution and the new human revolution uh, novels that Daisaku Ikeda mm-hmm. has written. The, uh, this journey he made globally for peace in the new human revolution and uh, the relationship he had together with his teacher, Jose Toda, uh, in the human revolution. And yeah, for me, I think that moment of me kind of constantly seeing something is like, oh, how do people view me? How do people view me? How do people view me? It transformed when I started to feel like, well, hang on, I have my teacher. And that is kind of, that's my, because it's natural. Like I think what I'm getting at is that it's natural that we all are based on how we relate with others. You know what I mean? In other words, it's Mm -hmm. impossible to just be like, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to do nothing based on what anything else outside of me is happening, you know? But um, this relationship with a great teacher, for me, helped me really then base my life more on, oh, well, here's a teacher that I really resonate with. He has a dream and passion that resonates with me. I want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? I want to help. I want to be a part of that same dream. And then as a result, bringing out the best in me, mm-hmm. that for me started to dissolve that feeling of, oh, okay, my life's only okay if, you know what I mean? Because I feel like that thing that I was really looking for was a teacher, you know, so. Uh, yeah, I didn't anticipate that this was what you were going to share, but I love it. <laughs> Because, uh, I mean, I, I, I definitely relate, but it, it, what strikes me about what you're saying is that in some ways it, it's like harder and it actually takes up more of your, uh, life and time to really try to, to do something to the best of your ability than it does to just do stuff to like impress people or get them to react well. And it's almost like at some point, you know, if you decide, and I like the music analogy too, whether it's, you know, in your craft, your profession or a life mentor or a spiritual mentor, if you're like really dedicated to practicing something wholeheartedly, like you don't have time to be worried about things like what other people think. You know what I mean? You really don't. But uh, if, if you don't mind, uh, I wanted to try something actually, because for people who are who are completely new um and, you know, have never read anything by Daisaku Ikeda. We, so for context, the books that you mentioned, I agree, are wonderful. And we primarily learn and practice, you know, his teachings through his writings. So maybe we can um, 
like hear any sort of concept or quote or anything that resonated with you related to this journey first and then kind of unpack how what it means to have then tried to apply that to your life. Um, if yeah, do you have any any kind of quotes or concepts or like what what resonated with you such that you were like, okay, this is what I this is what I want to do. Yes. No, thank you, Jihee. It's a great question. I can definitely get some of the books and re say some of this too. But I know that um for me there was a few things that really stood out. First was the new human revolution and just this journey that he has together with his own mentor in his heart. Um mm. that for me was just it was a very inspiring example that Here's a man who's fighting so hard for a dream and he's not just looking at himself as, you know, this great person that everyone should look up to, but he's actually looking at himself as a student himself. And all of my favourite artists have been that way as well. All of them. They've always seen themselves as people that are learning, you know. I think some quotes as well on the same topic too is that um, Daisaku Ikeda talks a lot about... Um, he talks about a lot of things, but one of the things he talks about is gratitude. And there was one quote, I'll share it here. Jose Toda said, true greatness means that even if you forget what you've done for others, you never forget what others have done for you and always do your utmost to repay your debts of gratitude. Such people radiate integrity, depth of character, generosity, and charm. And um, also he shares, this is from IkedaQuotes.com on the website, but he shares there is no one as strong as a person whose heart is always filled with gratitude. So mm. um, I think on this topic as well, just the heart that rather than I'm somehow, because what would happen for me is that I would have certain feelings of wanting a certain kind of thing from outside, from other people. And so then that would play out with the people closest to me feeling that I have resentment against them or I have inner, inner complaints because I'm not receiving what I'd like to receive. Um, and so this notion of really basing my life on real gratitude, which is much, much easier said than done, um, really shifted things. Chanting helped me become a much more grateful person. That was, I think, mm. yeah. How interesting. Yeah, yeah, that connection does make a lot of sense. I, I wonder if you're comfortable just to make it like a little bit more concrete for people who are who are listening and like want to sort of see how they can apply this to their own life. Are, off the top of your head, like, are there any examples, even one example of sort of like, what this shift looks like in practice, whether it's with a specific person or in a specific situation, work wise or whatever? Yeah, so a few examples that come to mind. For me, one is, so yeah, I constantly had the kind of relationship with my father where I was basing myself on wanting to see a certain kind of, you know, thing coming my way from him, i.e. acknowledgement, praise, validation, all these different things. And so I naturally, well, as a result of that, I had many moments where I had a lot of anger, I had a lot of resentment, I had all these, you know, different things inside me. And as I started to chant, I'll never forget. I mean, I once got encouragement from a friend to really chant for my dad's happiness. And um, I remember being really moved by that. I'd never really, yeah, it was just a new thing for me in that moment. And I did. And in spite of, you know, all these different things that I had going on within myself, 
I started to feel this sense of genuine compassion and appreciation for him as a human being. It was really amazing. And so I kept chanting and kept chanting and kept chanting. And through the practice, I started to really, rather than having the feeling of placing, like just placing expectations on other people, I felt like actually I made the determination, I want to be the best son that I can be. And it really improved the relationship between my father and I, big time, big time, because, mm. uh, yeah, rather than then somehow kind of pointing the finger or just having a different kind of spirit through chanting and bringing forth that gratitude and appreciation, I was able to really transform our relationship in so many ways. Because, again, even conceptually, gratitude is like it's easy to get on board with. <laughs> But then actually applying it is like, you know, very, very different, especially when there's all kinds of internal dynamics that are going on. It can be so easy to forget all the appreciation and gratitude and, you know, actively chanting about it really helped me put that at the forefront of my life. And also just practically, I would start just telling my dad, you know, I love you, dad, you know, thank you for everything. And it helped me take those concrete steps. Daisaku uh, Ikeda, he shares a lot about how our words can really touch another person's heart. And I really then was like, okay, let me see if I can do that for myself and just, yeah, come from that spirit, you know, and it really, really changed our relationship big time. One more yeah. example. To, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just reacting. That, yeah, that I, I love that example. I was just going to say, uh, actually, the, uh, the parent-child relationship specifically, and I'm sure many people will relate to this, whatever type of parent-child relationship one might have had, um, it, it is like this kind of complicated dynamic where, you know, you have like one human being with like little to no training and their own karma doing their best to raise another human being who's completely dependent on them. And then at some point that like need for, you know, the parents approval and love, you know, it's like the dominant thing in a child's life. And and yet we have our own karma and our own desires. And if there's a mismatch, like it's the classic kind of to varying degrees of, of scale, you know, <laughs> the classic dynamic. So I love what you shared about just uh, learning to have appreciation and practice appreciation as sort of like cutting, cutting that um, almost like like cycle of of needing approval, because is that really the most important thing, you know, at the end of the day? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that was I was just reacting. I'd love to hear the other example too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I think for me, that's absolutely spot on, G. Here, I couldn't agree more. And I know that for me too, coming from a place of gratitude is coming from a place of strength. That's the key thing. That's the key thing. In other words, when I have a heart of appreciation, the ball's back in my court now. You know mm. what I mean? In other words, now it's not about, oh, well, something out there needs to happen for me to really be strong. If I'm just based on, you know what, no matter what it was, even if I feel like it's, you know, X, Y, or Z, if I acknowledge even just these things and I just have deep appreciation for them, the ability to find those gems, right, and just really have gratitude, then the ball's back in my court. I can I can then come from a, a life, oh, we call it a life condition, right, like my internal state. I can come from a very strong internal state. You know, I don't have to mm. come from a, yeah, oh, it's going to change based on what's happening around me. It's something that I can cultivate. And as a result, it's very empowering in itself too. Um, so yes, example number two. Um, for me, I think the other key thing is also definitely within the world of music. 
big time. You know, I think it's so easy to be like looking around. What is everybody else into? What are they doing? Oh, this person's doing great. Oh my goodness, they've already done this. What? They're performing with this person? No way. You know, all these kind of things. And uh, yeah, very, very easy to, you know, ride that slippery slope of comparing yourself to others and all this kind of thing, right? So I think for me too, again, this practice, you know, I think I shared it with you when we were on the phone the other day as well, but really helped me just feel like I can be the engine for my own life. I can be the wind for my own sails and I never have to just kind of somehow feel like I have to tailor myself to the outside world, you know? So artistically, that's been amazing. You know, I've been performing with my band several years now and I know musically it's been amazing how much the practice has helped me develop my music. You know, I really feel that it's... uh, The music I'm doing now is stuff that I absolutely love and I'm just so happy to be doing. And it's uh, music that I would make no matter what was happening. You know what I mean? I feel Mm -hmm. like chanting has helped me get in touch with the deeper purpose of my music, I feel. In other words, that there's things that I, of course, you know, one of the best things about art is being able to really express who I am. But then also through chanting, I feel like I've become a little bit more in touch with, okay, what role can what I do have in someone's life? And then as a result, okay, I really want to make the kind of art which gives someone courage, you know? I really want to kind of make the art that's going to help someone really uh, not give up on their dream and really fight to be happy. So yeah, as a result, it's just really the stuff that I make now is so fulfilling. And I know for sure it's thanks to the practice because, yeah, it's very easy to get into that cycle of, oh, let me do something to try and impress somebody else or let me, okay, if I do this or I say this or I play this, right? You know, it's, yeah, again, somehow kind of like second-guessing myself and also second-guessing the environment around me. But I love what I do now. I, I mean, I've always loved music, but I think it's got me even more in touch with what I love about music and helped me kind of really expand and develop that, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. I I wanted to just like, uh, before we start moving to our wrap up, I just unpack one thing that you said. Um, Because I actually think it's like, one of the most important points, but a little bit hard to understand, like in in the Buddhist community, you you hear this all the time. But this, uh, what you mentioned about learning to sort of be the wind for your own sails. I think uh, it's it's like a very under underestimated antidote to seeking other people's approval is just taking action (laughs) like making that your priority above everything else instead of like pausing constantly to evaluate where am I or I'm this many years old and this is where I should be in my career or I'm in this field and this is what other people in this field are doing you know all of that stuff like in a sense when we're in that place we we stop and then we just think like we're not taking action. And then we like kind of depress ourselves or get stressed out. <laughs> not that, you know, every so often we shouldn't be doing that, you know, uh, a, a little bit. But um, I'm just curious, like, yeah, if we could unpack that a little bit when w- what you mean by like being the the wind for your own sails or like making causes and where did you learn that? Or like, how does that sort of connect to Buddhism or what does it actually look like, you know, day to day, if you know what I mean? Um yeah what does it look like what is it really you know how does it manifest itself daily i think for me 
again, and this is my experience, having great teachers helped me then replace that kind of feeling of, oh, okay, I'm second guessing, like you said, getting frozen, taking no action, and now just paralyzing (laughs) myself, you know, that thing into, hang on, I've got someone that believes in me. I've got someone that absolutely believes in me. Based on that, it's like, well, hold on. Okay, I've got a teacher that believes in me. I'm going to keep going. That for me then helped me get out of the, oh no, what do I do? Look left, look right, look left, look right. It um, put me much more into a state of just taking action, taking action, taking action. So yeah, I think, you know, on the day-to-day, and this is all things that I've learned from Sakura Kada, but, you know, the spirit to win in the morning, for example, right? Just being like, rather than, I mean, woof, if I could, you know, we'd be here all evening into next year if I was talking about how sometimes I would just be like, beginning of the day, oh no, pull out social media, what? I can't believe, you know, as in like laying in, you know what I mean? It's so easy to just, uh, you know, if the day starts off in a certain way, it kind of snowballs into everything else. But when I started practicing, you know, the encouragement that I got was really to win in the morning. And I appreciated that encouragement and it made sense. And I started to really chant consistently in the morning. And that helped also, again, that thing of being my own driving force. That was amazing. For example, when I was home with my family, with my with my dad and with everyone, having that practice where the first thing I would do in the day is I'd wake up and I'd chant Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. That would be me spurring myself on. And again, it's wonderful because that's in my control. No one can take that away from me. Someone else's actions doesn't change that. Very empowering, you know? I think a lot of those fears subside after even just one or two steps forward. You know what I mean? I think it's um, very easy to get like stuck in all the different things until I even take just one step forward. Apart from anything, when I started to fight a lot more for my music, I started to actually just appreciate what other people were doing. <laughs> I'd be like, man, this is awesome that you're making great music. You know, it's great what you're doing. Like the world needs this kind of stuff. I would start to relate more with like, man, I'm sure you had to work really hard to put all this together, right? So rather than being like, ah, oh, why did they get this? You know, <laughs> right? Or whatever. I started to just feel like, man, it's awesome that people are really fighting for creating mm-hmm. something, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, that totally, that connects back to to your sort of first point about yeah if you want to stop comparing yourself to people or seeking approval then like be a student <laughs> just commit to being and that it's the same then like everyone becomes a teacher or a peer not not like a someone who's doing something that you can't do or you should be doing or whatever mm-hmm. yeah i couldn't agree more i'll find you the quote but i remember one of the things that disaggregate shows is that you know we can learn something from absolutely everyone you know what I mean? If we have a big heart, mm. I can have the spirit where no matter what it is, I can find something that I'm able to learn from someone else. That doesn't mean that yeah. everyone's, you know, an absolute saint or an angel and should be given, you know, carte blanche to do whatever they want. But it does mean that I can have the spirit where it's like, well, hang on, there's a human being in there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think for me too, that's been really powerful. And again, then it means I can relate differently with how I approach others. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm, yeah, I hope that makes sense. 
Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. I'm so encouraged. This is all, I feel like so much great practical advice for anyone <laughs> in this episode. I, uh, before I move to my, my closing question, you shared some quotes already, but just want to double check. Is there any other concept or quote that you didn't mention that you feel like relates to this journey that you did want to share? Yes. So another one that for me has been really powerful. It's actually one that is uh, quite recent. And this is from a recent lecture talking about prayer. And um, this for me has been a big part of my life since I first read it. Prayers of mentor and disciple united in spirit are invincible. So I think for me, that's honestly, that's been part of my every day since I read that. And I know that just having that spirit for me, because, you know, life's waves always continue. You know what I mean? I think it's uh, one of the things that I love about this practice is that it acknowledges that life is a continuous thing. And it's always about, you know, continuing to grow and grow. But I find that when I have that moment with myself where, okay, what would my teacher do? I, I, I just come from a much deeper place. And I, it's the same with me in music too. If I ask myself like, wow, what would Bud Powell do? He's one of my favorite pianists, right? Or what would Art Tatum do? Can I just ask, if you don't mind my asking, um, like the, in terms of the sort of action part of it, I don't know if there was like a before and after for you, but like, what, what is the difference? So on a morning that you are like, okay, I'm going to chant. And then you ask yourself this question or you're like, I'm going to come from this place. What's the difference, for instance, between a day where that is not where you're coming from and the day that that is where you're coming from in terms of like normal daily action, like whether it's towards career or whatever it is you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That's a really good question. I think for me, the key thing is that when I come from that place, I get up, I start chanting, I get my engine rolling, so to speak. And then I'm able to just go out and start taking one action after another, after another, after another. And at the end of the day, feel very satisfied and it's a happy day. Mm. When that changes, which it can do because, you know, we're human. If I don't have that same spirit, so easy to just suddenly hit a right and feel like, Oh my goodness, I've got so many things going on. I can't do this and this. How do I possibly do this and this? Oh, I got to see that. You know, it's very easy to suddenly just start making, you know, insurmountable mountains about everything that I'm doing. As opposed to the feeling of like, wow, I love climbing mountains. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's the big thing is that the mountains are going to be there either way. That's the key thing. But through practicing, I just look forward to my day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's the, it's been such a, I'm so grateful for that shift because before I started practicing, there were many days where I'd wake up and I, at one period of my life, was going through really intense suffering. I remember just feeling like, man, you know, sometimes I'd wake up and I'd be like, how am I going to, how am I going to make it through today? That kind of feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes going to bed and then just like, loathing the thought of what I'd have to do the next day you know I mean mm -hmm. I personally suffered with some deep depression at points in my life and I just remember moments like that where I would just get into those kind of yeah paralyzed feelings of wow how am I possibly going to do x y or z and you know then what comes from there is you know the okay maybe I'd better start you know chopping down the amount that I do or 
maybe I'd better start, you know, second guessing the dreams that I was fighting for. I feel like um, that's all something I've experienced. And thanks to practicing, like I said, just getting into motion, that's been the key thing for me. You know, in other Mm -hmm. words, when I get into motion, when I start creating a positive momentum, my life's so much happier. Because life definitely is always moving. And then I just look forward to my days. I look forward to, you know, the months and the weeks. And I feel so grateful to be alive, you know. Yeah, 100%. That's very well put. So uh, I'm going to ask my last last question, which is what I always close the show with, um, which is for anybody who's listening, who might be new to chanting, and maybe they're currently feeling hopeless or stuck because of a situation or relationship or a dream or whatever in which they don't feel seen, or they are stuck in that place of I, I want approval. And you know, like what one piece of advice would you give that person? Yes. <laughs> I think if I was to honestly boil it down to one, if I was to choose, it would be to connect with really good friends that are practicing. In other words, if you're just learning about the practice for the first time, I think everything that I've mentioned in terms of the benefits that I've seen has been also very much thanks to a tremendous amount of support from other people. You know, I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know Nichiren Daishonin shares it as well, where, to paraphrase, a tree that's got a firm stake to hold it up, even if there's a storm, it will never topple. But if there's a large tree and it falls, you know. In other words, if I have someone that's really strong and I'm able to connect with them and build a friendship with them, I'm able to bring up much more in myself. So that would be the key thing I would share. You know, if you're chanting and you're learning about the practice, There's so many lovely people that are really genuine and very sincere. You know, I personally, one of my tendencies in life is that I have a very hard time trusting people. So I think for me, that was like a gap to breach in itself. I was like, oh, I don't want to trust people. And I have all these different feelings about not trusting people. I'm sure very much connected with the same feeling of needing their approval and therefore not wanting to trust them and all of that kind of thing. But um, it was through a handful of very, very good friends that I was able to transform so much, you know, thanks Mm -hmm. to their encouragement, their support. I was able to really dig a lot deeper than I would have done just by myself without a shadow of a doubt. I I decided to dig in far, far deeper and really challenge the things in my life and really go for the dreams that I really want to go for. Thanks to the support of so many good friends. So, yeah, that would be my one thing. I want to leave you today with one more passage from Ikeda that encapsulates the power of tapping into our boot ability through chanting Namyoho Rengekyo. He writes, I cannot say this too strongly. Do not compare yourselves to others. Be true to who you are and continue to learn with all your might. Even if you are ridiculed, even if you suffer disappointments and setbacks, continue to advance and do not be defeated. If you have such a strong determination in your heart, you are already halfway to victory. When you hold fast to your beliefs and live true to yourself, 
Your true value as a human being shines through. Buddhism teaches the concept of manifesting one's true nature. This means to reveal your genuine innate self, your true inherent potential, and bring it to shine, illuminating all around you. It refers to your most refined individuality and uniqueness. On that note, as Dave mentioned, the power of having a supportive community is immeasurable. If you want to get connected to your local Buddhist community, you can always email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. And of course, to learn more about chanting, we have plenty of resources at buddhability.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.